0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Of if, you're going to see that word a lot in Romans 8, it's not if the believer Has the Holy Spirit it's not if the Holy Spirit dwells in the believer It's stated as a fact that it does we all have the Holy Spirit So you never have to ask a believer hey do you have the Holy Spirit Because they do instead we need to ask believers Do you realize what having the Holy Spirit results in And that's what Romans 8 really helps us with and It results in believers getting help in three different ways. The first two we already looked at when we went through verses one and two, we saw that the Holy Spirit helps us from the deliverance from the condemnation that comes from our flesh. That was the first way we got some help Uh, in verses three through eight. We looked at how the Holy Spirit helps us concerning deliverance from the power of the flesh. This morning, we're going to look at, in verses 9 through 11, deliverance from the power of death. Verse number 9 starts off, uh, look at it uh, in verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Okay, we've got to get a hold of that right from the outset. And when we go through verses 9 through 11, there's four phrases that we're going to look at that refer to the indwelt Holy Spirit. They all mean the same thing in different phrases. Look at it in verse number nine. The first one is the spirit of God. And that spirit of God dwells in you. Verse number nine. Continue reading. Now, if any man have not. Here's the second one the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. So both of these are referring to phrases referring to what's indwelt in you, the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. Here's the here's the third one. Look at verse 10. And if Christ be in you. What is that? Well, that's another reference to the Holy Spirit. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, in verse 11, here's the fourth one. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Well, who's that? That's The Holy Spirit. So we have four references being used here. Spirit of God, spirit of Christ, Christ be in you. Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. That same spirit. That raised up Jesus from the dead. It dwells in you and I. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at verse number 9. Because I also want to look at the work of the Trinity. In us as believers. Look at verse 9. But you're not in the flesh. Here it is the first one. But in the Spirit. Watch the work of the Trinity here. In John 16. uh, The Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit shall not speak of himself. Verse number nine, we have we have in the Spirit. Okay, so there's the Holy Spirit. Now look, watch this next one. If so, be that the Spirit of God. In Acts 1, Jesus said, but wait for the promise of the Father. And that Spirit comes from God the Father. We have in the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now watch the third one. In verse number nine, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, as Romans 8 says. And the Spirit is given in Christ the Son. We see that work, the work of the Trinity in the giving of the Holy Spirit. When do you get it? When do you get it? When you believe. The moment someone believes, when they get saved, they get baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts them in Christ, and Christ now dwells or lives in them. The Bible refers to it as the baptism of the Spirit or the receiving of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait to talk in tongues. You trust Christ. He saves you. He baptized me. Now, I'm going to, okay, I'll tell you the story, and then I'll, we'll go to the passage. We are in the diner earlier in the week, and uh, a couple guys, you know, sit around, and, and they talk, and, so they know I'm a preacher in town, so when I come in, they always, they always ask me a question about the Bible, so the question was, now, keep in mind, you've got a, uh You got a Pentecostal, you got a Church of Christ, you got a a non-denom and you get a Baptist. They're all sitting around with me. (laughs) Hey, preacher, do you you think you need to be baptized in order to go to heaven? And uh, so I knew I I had some inclination. This guy's a Baptist and I had some inclination that he knew that the guy across that he knew was a Church of Christ. (laughs) So I knew why he was asking it. He wanted to stir it up. So I said, um, yes, I do believe you need to be baptized in order to get to heaven. And he said, what? That's your Baptist preacher. I said, I am. I am. I said, the moment that I've trusted Christ, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, well, I never thought of that. I said, I know a lot of Baptists don't think about the Holy Spirit. I said, they think it's only reserved for the Pentecostals. Look. Just because charismatics and Pentecostals take the whole Holy Spirit thing and make it into some charismatic confusion, that doesn't mean we can't talk about it, rejoice in it, and get some help from it. Now I'm going to show you why we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit the moment that we're saved. Look at verse uh, number nine. At the end it says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you Don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. So that would mean that if I have to wait for it, while I'm waiting for it, and while I'm waiting to get the the speak in tongues, all that time, if that were true, then that would mean I'm not saved. That would mean I'm none of His. And until I receive that tongues, until that point happens, if that's true, if I receive it when I start talking in tongues, if that were true, then guess what saves me? Tongues. I'm telling you, when you trust Christ, you're baptized by His Holy Spirit. He comes and dwells with and inside you. you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but 1 Corinthians 6 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. The Corinthians had to be told, hey, do you fellows know you have the Holy Spirit? What, know ye not? You mean you don't know this? There's a lot of Christians that don't know this. You have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You are bought. He dwells in you. Live for him. Go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter number five. Look at verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Verse number 19 happens, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Most theology is about the flesh. It's all about me and God as best buds, not God is holy. I'm not holy, but he saved me and I'm. Wanting to give him all the glory. Most music is about the flesh. You've all heard the 7 Eleven songs. It's the same seven words sung over 11 times. <laughs> and they replace Jesus with He or Christ's name with you. And they don't really want to name them because that would get them off the top 40 charts. Most worship is about the flesh. I just want to feel good, Lord. Most preaching is about the flesh. You know, a lot of preaching is designed to make you the hero of the story. Christ is the hero of the story. If we're not careful, if we're teaching the word of God, you know, you know what? You know what preachers need to be careful of? They're not the hero of the story. Christ is the hero of the story. You're not David. Slaying giants. You want to see yourself as David? See David as he saw himself. He's wholly relying on the Lord to give him the victory. The Lord's the hero. He's the victor. Most praying is about the flesh. Lord, my will be done. Not thy will be done. Tell you, the Holy Spirit will give you melody in your heart. You're told to do something always. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always. For all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know why? Because it's fearful for me to submit to you. And it's fearful for you to submit to me. And it's fearful for us to submit to each other. Why? Because we know that we're sinful and the other person's sinful. But if you're tapped into the Holy Spirit and I'm tapped into the Holy Spirit, we're all tapped into the Holy Spirit. And if we all fear God and allow him to have his way. Then it works. That's the only way it works. Instead of everybody jockeying or position. If you have the Holy Spirit, which you do if you've trusted Christ. You will long for fellowship with his saints you know what people long for today the next reaction video that's coming out on youtube It's big it's big business react 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 people christians live a reactive lifestyle how about a fellowship lifestyle i'm just here to fellowship If you have the Holy Spirit, which you do, you will hunger for God's Word. The same way you get hunger pangs at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner. The Holy Spirit will cause you to long for His Word. You will commune with God in prayer. And not just right before you eat food. I will submit to you. You need to be careful of, of that. Praying to God you. are on a tractor and you're working with some trees. If you're doing something, your mind gets off on the Lord. Think about something on the Lord. Next thing you know, you end up in a ditch. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Well, don't allow your mind to come off the Lord when you're being careful. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cause you have a desire to witness to the loss, to want to invest time with your with your church family they're not just people you see on sunday people that you pray for people that you witness with people that you fellowship with people you share a meal with people that you talk with how does that happen when everybody has all different interests holy spirit that's the results you realize that that's the fruit Look at verse number 10 in Romans 8. Verse number 10. The Bible says, if Christ being you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. You and I are living in a dead body, and it's because of sin. All these deliverance preachers, all these healers, they're not faith healers, they're fake healers trying to convince you that somehow they can deliver your body from an ailment. If you're 20 years old this morning, you've got 20 years of sin that has been defiling and decaying your body. It's dying. If you're 40 years old, or 60 years old, or 80 years old, You've got 40, 60, 80 years of sin that has affected your body. And that is why the body is going to die. No other reason. You don't have enough money for, the, uh, for all the surgeries. You don't have enough money for all of the medicine. And science still hasn't figured out a way to keep people alive forever. Why? Because this body is going to die. The wages of sin is death. Sin just costs way too much. But you have got a superpower. What's your superpower? Honestly, it's from the Bible. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. That's what helps keep your body under subjection. That's what keeps the lust of the flesh in the place of death. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 is telling us you can abandon sin you know what it is it's not it's not emotionalism look at romans romans chapter 8 verse number 10 it's not screaming and shouting and feelings and experience and if christ be in you verse 10 the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of what righteousness the result of you and i having the holy spirit is a righteous life are you spirit filled? You spirit filled. Do you live a righteous life? Is your life filled with a schedule where God has first place? Or is it Luke 20? Go there. Is it Luke 20? Look at verse number 40. Luke 20, verse number 45. Luke 20, we'll start verse 45. Then, in the audience of all the people, he said unto, unto his disciples, it's going to be Jesus now. Watch. Beware the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the cheap rooms at feasts. Is that your life? Is it a life of long robes and rich seats and long prayers? Do you do that at home in your prayer closet in private? The evidence of the Holy Spirit is a righteous life, not a life for show like Pharisees. Husbands and wives, you might have you might impress the town, but when you come when you come home with the long robe and the long prayer, and the, you're probably not impressing your spouse in private. It's, it, get off the get off the showy clothes. Holy Spirit will cause you to do things because of righteousness. Not for pharisaical or scribal show. Okay, so here's a good question. If the spirit is life, then why do we as believers still die? Well, all men die. Believers aren't immune from growing old, getting sick, and dying. But the believer, what's the difference? The believer dies only to rise again. The unbeliever doesn't have that. We move out of this body, and where do we move? Into eternity. Our body will be redeemed. It's just not redeemed from death yet. The price has been paid for our body to be redeemed. But the redemption has yet to reach our bodies. And so right now, death has dominion over what? Our flesh, our body. But death right now does not have dominion over our spirit and our soul. Why? Because of his righteousness. He is the Lord, our righteousness. Now, some believers take this position. Some believe that the sin nature is eradicated. Meaning, they don't think they can sin anymore. They think that your body can't yield to sin because you're in Christ. Well, that's an easy one to figure out theologically. Just ask your spouse if they think that's true in you. Just have your kids ask you or you ask your kids or uh, go and have your best friend. Try that on him or her. They'd probably quickly tell you, "Now that ain't true in you. If it's true in believers, it ain't true in you. And if it has to be true in believers, and I'm going to guess you probably aren't saved because all of us sin. Now, we might be good at justifying it, covering it, hiding it, redirecting it. But I'm going to guess that the sin nature is not eradicated. We have a choice. You can reckon your flesh dead. That's what we learned in Romans 6. You can do that. How do you do that? By faith, you yield yourself to God and his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do right, so we get that. So here's what we have. We are alive. Our soul is alive, but it's alive in a dead body. So Romans 7 and Romans 8, it doesn't teach that we are not able to sin. Instead, Romans 7 and 8 teaches this. We are able not to sin. How are we able not to sin? By yielding to the Holy Spirit. Make sense? That helps sort out this wrong doctrine of the eradication of the sin nature. We are not able to completely eradicate all sin, but we are able to not sin if we what? Yield to the Holy Spirit. It may seem like splitting hairs, but we need to because some think, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm so indwelt with the Holy Spirit. I just don't sin. My family just doesn't sin. They've been here. Now, they don't stay long, but they've been here. They've come through here, and I'm sure they'll come through again. Christ won the battle for us on the cross. Now he's winning the battle in us. Romans 6, we died with Christ, raised with Christ in the newness of life. Romans 7, oh, wretched man that I am. Look, Lord, I can't live right. Okay, Romans 8, Holy Spirit is there to win the battle for you, in you. Look at Romans 8, look at verse number 11 Romans chapter 8 Not A lot here, lot here, Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell on you He that raised up Christ from the dead Shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Christ suffered the crown of thorns, fitting the lashing, buried in the tomb, in the Spirit of God. That's the power of God. In verse number 11, contrast, you've got a dead body, now with a quickened body. Here's what we need to realize. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. I know this is hard to believe because it's hard for me to believe. Not because I don't want to believe God, but because I just realized what God saved me from. That same power, power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Dwells in you. Can you believe that? Believe. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, go to First Corinthians 15. I'll show you what it means. Yeah, your poor, weak, mortal body is going to die. It is. Because of sin. We all understand that. We get saved, our soul's saved, our body is not saved, and our flesh is going to die. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse number 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's us. Who shall deliver me? Was the question in Romans 7. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who shall deliver me? The Holy Spirit of God will. And your body will be made alive. You'll get a glorified body. It won't be the same one. It's corrupt. You'll get a glorified body. You don't have it right now. But you will have it. Go to Ephesians chapter number one. Verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us? Ephesians one, verse 19. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Sound of the trumpet. That sound of the trumpet. That's the flip that's switched. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a glorified body. You're going to have a resurrected body. How does that happen? His power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I'm telling you, we are going to experience the greatness of his power. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is talking about. You get a jet, it's going to sit there and it's going to have jet fuel. As soon as you force air into that combustible chamber, boom, that thing's going to take off. You know what you got residing in you? The Holy Spirit. And as soon as some air comes out of the voice of that trumpet, it's going it's to hit you and then boom, you're going to be out of here. That's if you're alive right now in the rapture house. People say, well, I just think the rapture, uh, I, I just think I, I just think the church is going to go through the rapture. Now think about this for a minute. Think about that. Do you have loved ones that died and already have gone to be absent with the body, present with the Lord? Okay, they're with the Lord. Uh, probably about 2,023 years of history of people that have been part of christ's church that have died and have gone to people right now when they trusted christ were they part of the church so if the church is going to go through some or part of the rapture what is what is god going to do take all those that already died they're part of his church what are they going to bring them back and they're going to have to live through this tribulation time now you know what people mean when they say I think the church is going to go through the tribulation. What they mean is just the part of the church that's alive right now. Grandma or Uncle Paul or Aunt Lucy that died was part of the church. They're not coming back to go through the tribulation. When that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. They're going to get a glorified body. And then here we go with it. That's the church being caught up. The church isn't just, okay, us that are alive now. It's it's pretty much a lot bigger than that. Romans 11 says, his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know what fish have? The water. Birds have the air. You know what we have as believers? The Holy Spirit. And that's the distinctive mark of every single Christian. Second Corinthians, verse 13. 2 Corinthians, verse chapter 13. Look at verse number three. Since you seek a proof of Christ, Second Corinthians 13. Let me get to the right spot. Yeah, I've got it. Uh, Speaking in me. Verse three. Which to you, word, is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness. Yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him now by the power of God toward you. Jesus Christ in you. That's the power of God in you. Abraham was 99 years when the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me. And you as a Christian right now, you have the power of almighty God within you. That's what you've got to get a hold of. And that's what you've got to live by. His righteousness. First Peter 5 doesn't have to turn there, but it says humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He makes in due time. And your care casting all of them on him. For he cares. Pilgrim Saints, you realize the light and powerful hand of God is equally gentle and caring. And that power lives within you. You would just tap into. I have. I have life. Of so because of his righteousness. How do I don't want to fight? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You've got the power to cast down imaginations. You've got the power to bring every thought into captivity under Christ. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. John 15 says the Comforter has come. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's the Spirit that testifies of Jesus Christ. That same power, you have a life to live as a testimony to the Lord. And to live as a life of truth. You have the power to live life that's full of comfort even within a world that is full of discomfort. How? Through the power of the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.